was driving to this beach and we had to go over um, like these, we were driving through area in New Zealand where there was this sheeping or a lot of sheep herders and you had to go through multiple sheep gates and all this, it was this crazy backcountry road and dirt trail. And at the end was this like sunset and there was this, uh, there were these two huge cliffs on each side of this beach and the waves were crashing that were like probably 20 foot waves, enormous waves, you know? And I just like, I remember just sitting there just like almost, almost in tears because I was just so overwhelmed. Oh, um, uh, you don't feel prideful in that moment. You feel like, wow, like I am s small and God is really large. <laughs> and, and so I was just taken back to that, to that moment, how um, when you reflect upon what God's created, it, it, it brings you into alignment, into your place. Um, I, uh, I'm actually really excited about this message. Um, I, I only make note of that. I don't try to, I don't try to say that every time I preach, but I think this morning's message is actually, uh, a timely word and an important word for everyone. So I just want to note that this morning I was walking outside as I usually do. And I looking, um, at my pecans, see this little bad, this little bad boy here. Looking at our pecans, and pecan trees typically um, they drop pecans uh, at once every two years, um, differently than other, you know, plants or trees. And so we didn't really have. We had a few last year, but this year we have a metal roof, and they it sounds like golf balls hitting the roof when they fall, and uh, there's a lot of them out on the ground. And so Grace and I were sitting there picking them up and eating them. And, you know, you kind of have to figure out my grandparents have pecan trees growing up and you kind of have to figure out how you're going to open them without just smashing them. But they're actually, these are actually really sweet pecans. Some pecans I've off the ground can be bitter, but these are, these are really sweet. And it's interesting. The, the reason why um, pecans, pecans can give fruit every year, but they, they typically give fruit every couple of years because, and even longer than that sometimes, because they soak, if you can imagine this, they, they, are, they are preserving the nutrients that are needed to, um, to give into the fruit. And if the, if the tree doesn't have enough nutrients, it's not going to yield fruit. And so it's a real fascinating, um, just, just think there, uh, Random fact for you, pecans are actually not nuts. They're closer to, they're closer in family to like a, a peach or, you know, a plum. Um, they're, I think, what, I can't remember what they're called. It's called, uh, it's not an, anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a unique, it's a unique kind of uh, fruit that comes off tree. And they're really, they are like loaded in nutrition. And so they have a lot of oil and all this stuff that's soaked up over two years that's yielded in the fruit. And um, I was just thinking as we were sitting there eating these, you know, they, they stay on the ground. They, they, because they have this really hard shell, you know, uh, they stay, um, 
they'll they'll last for four months up to four months like fresh on the ground if you know anything about fruit trees a lot of fruits that when they fall to the ground they're they can be rotten pretty quickly and so you can store pecans for years in the freezer i grew up with my grandparents and went over and picking the pecans and they had that old school pecan picker where you just like it was like cables on a little wheel and you would run you would run it over it looked like one of those uh kind of tools that you use to measure something with a little wheel that you hold with a with a stick and so as you would roll them over the wires would would move around the pecans and they would pull them up into this little wheel so you'd have like you know dozens of pecans in there we would pick them and eat them and my grandparents you know they were they were uh, uh, lived through the Great Depression, and so you know they'd they. I mean, my me, mom, and papa, they they might like leave like half a crow left on their plate when they would eat, and they would put it in the freezer. This is like the most <laughs> they were the most careful of preserving things. So we just have so many hundreds and hundreds of pecans in the outside freezer always, and and so, but it's cool because. You, you think about when I was thinking about this, I was, you know, looking at birds and different things that were around and you realize like God created, God is an incredible creator. He's an incredible designer. And everything that he, everything that's in creation has intention. It has design. It has uh, a deliberateness to it. And, you know, you study ecosystems and they all matter like everything in the ecosystem matters and so sometimes we can look around and see things and think that everything um that things are just arbitrarily there god was just like ah well i was feeling feeling extra creative so i'm making a zebra today and i mean maybe there's some aspects of that true but the way he designed things everything has an integral uh, part to play in things. And, and so it, it's, it's neat what all goes into just even something as simple as pecan that yields fruitfulness for us in the way that it, that, um, it preserves nutrients. And I, I like the word intention. I've told Josh, Josh Tom this more than other people, but I, I really hate the word vision. And uh, so we're talking, we're having a vision meeting next week. And I don't, I don't like the word vision uh, as a pastor. And I have used that word and used to like the word, but I don't like the word, not necessarily maybe because it would literally means, but because sometimes in church and in life and in whatever we're doing, we have this idea that we have to see what we're going to go become that we aren't already and tell people about it. And really, the invitation of Scripture, the invitation of John 15, is for us to abide in the vine, to become what we truly are in him. And uh, a vine doesn't try hard to stay in itself. It just, it just grows. And that's the way that God has designed us, to be abiders, to be people who just be and become who he has intended us to be. And so I really like the word intention. And because when I think of God, I think of not just a, um, this, you know, this, you know, 
you know, God in the sky who sits on his throne, I think of him as, as obviously a lover, but as a great designer, as a God who sets things with intention. And so I want to read to you a scripture that's kind of a random passage that most people wouldn't think about reading. Um, I want to just kind of take some time and, and talk about this idea for a moment. Um, in John 7, 1 to 13, it, I'll, I'll just read it and then we'll talk about it for a moment. It says, and babe, would you mind grabbing me some water while I'm sitting here? I'm, my, I'm thirsty. I'll read this and wait for that. Um, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. That's a reasonable reason not to go somewhere. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself in the world. Thank you, babe. For even his own brother did not believe him. Therefore, Jesus told them. And listen to this, these words. My time is not yet here. For anyone will do. For you will do. The world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not. I'm going up to this festival because my time has not fully yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he also he went also not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people, but no one would say anything publicly about him for, for the fear of the leaders. It's kind of a funny story. Um, I, you know, we don't think about Bible stories being funny, but you got like ninja secret Jesus going to, going to uh, this festival like where he's like telling people I'm not coming, but he's showing up secretly. But I want you to notice some words that Jesus says, and he actually says these words in other places in the New Testament. And I, I don't think we often think about it. He says, um, my time is not yet here for you. Any time will do. So this is, this is the words he gives to his brothers who want him to sort of publicly teach or do the things that um, prove that he is Messiah because they didn't believe in him. And Jesus, Jesus' brothers were really only clearly interested in one thing. They were interested in being right. They were interested in vindication. They were interested in proof. They weren't really interested in what it was that Jesus had set as his intention. It's interesting, Jesus, who's king of kings and loves everyone and has this goal or this mission of bringing his gospel, his mercy, his grace to every, 
one. He, he did not do every public miracle that he could not could have done. You know, there were opportunities he had to show more proof and he didn't take every opportunity. Um, Jesus, who was king of kings, was sometimes asked questions of supreme importance, like, how do we have eternal life? And are you the son of God? And while he asked the answers to those questions, very often he did not answer those questions directly. You know, I, I think that those, that's interesting because we have sort of this value in our society of like, you know, just whatever you, you know, just be who you are, say what you think, you know, and yet Jesus was often cryptic and uh, even with the most important questions, even with doing miracles, even with doing healing, he did eventually do things in public, but there were seasons that he, he did not. Now, what kept Jesus from doing some things that you might think he would do or should do is his intention. His intention for a season. You know, I, I, I watched The Chosen, uh, been watching The Chosen. How many of you, raise your hands real quick if you've watched The Chosen. It, if you don't know what it's about, it's, it's a new uh, written series on Jesus. I would really encourage you to watch it. It's very, it's very well done. And, um, you know, I, I, there was one of the episodes that it talked about this exact idea where Jesus was at the wedding of Cana and he turned uh, the water to wine. Now Jesus tells his mother, they, they run out of they, they really do an incredible job with this particular uh, episode, I think. And she, they run out of, uh, uh, you know, wine at the party, which, you know, they played up very well in the episode, which would be not a good thing at a Jewish uh, party to run out of wine. And so, um, you know, G Jesus' mother, Mary, comes to him and says, hey, like, please, you know, you know, you know turn this turn this water wine. And he says, uh, you know, woman, it's not yet my time. And she looks to the servants and says, do what he says, which is a funny thing because Jesus mother gets to sort of, you know, push on Jesus, even though that wasn't what he was doing. But at the end of, at the end of the scripture, we see that the wedding, uh, the, the master of the banquet says, you guys have served, served, saved the best wine for last. So apparently the way that he, Jesus did the miracle he didn't even, it wasn't known to everyone. Now, like, I love how they have Peter cast, Peter's cast in this series exactly as you would think Peter would be cast. He's, he's you know, willing to do whatever, but he's kind of loud, brass, doesn't know what he's doing always. And Jesus, and, and he's like, you know, all right, Jesus, here's how we can make this a big deal, make, let people see what you're doing. And, and Jesus is yet in this season where he's not doing things publicly and he's doing things secretly as he did in this moment. Um, Jesus had intention with his seasons. He had intention with when he was secret and when he was public. I want to mention two aspects of Jesus' intentions. He, Jesus had eternal intentions, but Jesus also had seasonal and momentary 
intentions. So eternal intentions would be things like what John 4, 34 says. It says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I mean, you know that Jesus is always doing the will of the Father. That's an eternal intention. Maybe another one, Luke 19, 10 says, Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. You know, that that's a that's a quote out of Jesus' mouth that would always set the trajectory for his life and ministry and message. Or, or maybe another one, John 18, 37, it's a, Jesus answered, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to truth for everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That clearly Jesus always has come to testify testify the truth, or maybe even John 10, where it says that he has come that they may have life and life abundantly. There are certain things that always define the intention and design of Jesus' life and ministry, no matter the season that he's in. But then there were, there were seasonal intentions, momentary intentions, things that weren't necessarily those things that would last for forever. I like what Mark 1.35 says. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And this is repeated a couple times in the Gospels, where Jesus is not in the public doing miracles. He's not out. Like, he's taking a moment that's set aside to be alone. And a few verses later, it says something totally bit different. In verse 38, he says, let's go to a nearby town and preach, for this is why, this is why I came for. That's a very almost opposite intention, but for a different moment. Um, I like this one. How many of you remember growing up singing the Zacchaeus song? And I love the line from going to your house today in Luke 18. Jesus tells Zacchaeus, after this, after this little man who can't see because he's short, climbs up on a tree to look at Jesus, and Jesus calls him down and says, I'm going to your house today, Zacchaeus. He sets this intention. He's, he makes his intent to go to the house of Zacchaeus. Or what about the story of the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus and said, please, please heal my daughter who's demon possessed. And he says to her right now, I'm here only for those who are of Israel. And we know that the gospel later on goes to others, but Jesus says, I've been called to the house of Israel. And that was his intent for the season. And yet actually with her faith, um, you know, the, one of the weirdest scriptures in the gospel you know, he makes this comment about the, the dog's food. And she said, even the dogs eat the scraps. And he says, because of your faith, your daughter will be made well. And, and but Jesus declares that his intent, his intention for the season is to be with the sheep, the lost sheep of Israel. But his, but her faith actually moved Jesus to go beyond his expressed intention. Here's another interesting one. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist was being beheaded, um, it says he withdrew by a boat, by boat to, 
in privately to a solitary place. It doesn't say he prayed. It doesn't say, it just says that Jesus, when he heard that John the Baptist was headed, he went to be alone. Maybe Jesus was grieving for that moment. I don't know. One of my absolute favorite, I've always found funny, uh, when Jesus comes in to, in his triumphal entry, Luke 19.30 says, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever rid it. Un, un, untie it. Bring it back here. If anyone asks you what you're doing, why you're untying it, just say the Lord needs it. I'd really love to give that excuse if I was stealing somebody's animal. The Lord needs it. That's why I'm taking it from you. That's very specific from Jesus. Jesus had eternal intentions, but he also had specific intentions for seasons, even weeks, even days, and even moments. For a huge part of his ministry, he he told people not to go say anything to anyone when he healed them. And then in later parts of his ministry, he was healing openly. Now, I would tell you that one of the most specific ways that God aligns us is by partnering with us in setting intentions. Some of those intentions are eternal, that are given to us in the scriptures, by the Holy Spirit, through the life of Jesus. Some of those intentions are seasonal, even momentary. This year, I started a business, and one of the things, um, you know, I I uh, had this background, you know, working with my dad, and then also worked a couple years with another guy helping uh, businesses either get money to grow or sell whenever they. Um, you know, when they, when they're ready to sell. And one of the things I know right now is, you know, there's different seasons for business. One of the things I know right now is that my main focus in my business is honing our outreach. It's honing on how we get to who, who are the clients we're getting into and how we get to them. I, I heard this, uh, this, kind of teaching some years ago, and this is not the gospel truth, but it was just some wisdom that this guy was sharing that if you look at water, the way that water flows, like, you know, uh, we have this continental divide in the U.S. that divides whether water is going to the eventually to the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean. And, uh, but water is always looking for the easiest path towards its end point. Water does not go uphill. <laughs> it doesn't. It can't go uphill. It looks. It looks for the fastest route, or the or the simplest, easiest route with least resistance to its endpoint. And so I've I told our uh, you know like that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to figure out what is the pathway getting to the clients that we're trying to get to. And so our, our whole our team of people. Um, I've you know our two people I'm working with, I've told them right now, we're just looking for where water flows. We're looking for where water flows. And so that's actually our intent for this season. And I just keep telling them, we're looking for where water flows. 
Um, but because I am navigating between family and church and business, I have to be really, really intentional, much more than I have been previously about. And so on Thursdays, I actually plan my week in advance, you know, what I'm doing daily. And one of the things I've noticed is, I don't know if you guys have this hard time. When I am starting a day of work or whatever it is, I have a hard time getting started. Raise your hand if you have a hard time getting started. I sometimes have a hard time getting started and I might procrastinate. And, and so one of the things I've decided to do it, that's helping me is I actually open my day in my journal. What well, I'm spend time um, talking to the Lord, but I open uh, my, my day uh, writing down what, how I'm going to start my day. So like the first two hours of my day, I'm like, you're going to do this for 30 minutes. You're going to do this for 30 minutes because, because what I'm doing is I'm like setting my intent for the day. And so even in this moment, the Holy spirit to come in to my work and to help me to set an intention, not just for my week, but for my day. Colossians 3 23 says that whatever you do, Work it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I think sometimes we think of work as this thing that we do for money, and there's like spiritual things, and there's work things, and there's things, and we try to compartmentalize. And yet, like the 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 way that God wants us to live is people who have integrated it, um, our worship into all that we do. That that actually the way that I worship. The way that I work, the way that I am at home, like my action towards these things is every bit as integral, integral, if not more so integral to my worship than the way that I sing to him in church or the way that I pray when I'm, when I'm in prayer. Like it's essential that I approach my work, my every part of my life with some intention because that is worship. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about us giving our lives as a living sacrifice, living sacrifice, which it explicitly says, this is our spiritual act of worship. And so when we, when we create intention, intention does several things. It creates limitations. Like Jesus, early in his ministry, he wasn't going to be public. He avoided situations where the Pharisees were going to try to kill him because it wasn't yet his time to die. Even though at some point he would be public, at some point he would die, it wasn't the moment. And he knew with intent the moments and the seasons that he was in. And while his, eter his eternal intention remained constant, his seasonal intentions had to change depending upon where God had him. It went from private miracles to public miracles. It went to, to avoid confrontation to looking for the confrontation with the Pharisees. Intention creates limitations. It creates um, scenarios that we choose not to do, like Jesus models for us. Intention creates focus. It lets us know where we're going. Intention helps with fruitfulness. You see, a pecan tree doesn't, um, it won't yield fruit unless it has the appropriate nutrients. 
Intention helps with fruitfulness. Intention creates unity and partnership. I, I've noticed that God is often speaking things to church bodies and communities as a whole that are kind of unifying. Like he, like all of us are like, oh, yes, God is speaking the same things to me. I can't tell you how many times I'd preach a message or I would share something and I would find that other people were hearing something or other people needed to hear that. And we clearly see that in the epistles, that God says things to community. Benedict, a couple months ago, talked about how he was struggling to, um, to really uh, live life here in America because he had not allowed himself to ar arrive. One of the things that I feel like that people often do is they don't recognize the season that they're in. And so they're always trying to make something else happen, or they're always trying to be in a different season. And because they don't actually recognize the season that they're in, that can be different. It can be that season that Jesus was private or that season that he was public. It can be the season for the tree that doesn't yield the fruit or the season that it does. And an intention, when you have intention, it releases anxiety because you're not trying to do something that is not appropriate for the season. And a lot of times we aren't aligned with God's intentions for the season we're in, but he is patient. Intention helps us with freedom because we recognize that when we know what, where God has us, we're free to operate within those boundaries. And I want to just take it practical to you for a moment. Over the next few weeks, I personally with, with Andrea, and we, how we'll be working on setting an intention for 2019 on our personal lives, for the church, for our business. Um, and we will, we will, uh, did I say 2000? I meant 2021. My head is all over the place. Um, so we're, we're going to be setting an intention for what God has for this coming year, not because it's just an arbitrary thing to do, but because when we are aligned with God's intention for our season, it allows us to be fruitful people. And so here's my encouragement to you. My encouragement would be to find a, a weekend, a day, whatever time that you have, and spend some time with God asking him to help you to, in partnership to set an intention for this coming year, to set an intention for the season you're in, um, you know, to think about what it, where it is God has you. And, 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 and this isn't about trying to have a goal. A goal is very indifferent than intention. A goal is like, here's the nine things that I want to accomplish that I'm not already doing. That's, that can be helpful, but it sometimes can be hurtful. I think it's far more healthy to think about how God, what, how God is partnering with you to set a, a, an, an intention for your season in the way that Jesus set intentions. And so let, let's not think about things in terms of, you know, goals can be useful, but goals are temporal. Goals had ending points. Think about how God is partnering with you. So like we will do this um, over the coming weeks for the church. We will... Uh, Andrew and I will talk and we will talk with Zane and Tiffany and then we will talk with our staff and we will write plans and those plans aren't to 
aren't about creating some sort of man-made idea. It's about partnering with God's intentions. And so you have an opportunity right now to start not, not waiting till December 28th, you know, but to think about the intentions that God has for you. And um, I think that's a better way to think about praying into a new year than the 900 goals that you want to achieve or resolutions that you want to have to make something happen that you aren't already doing. And so, so be sensitive about where God has you. And, and Jesus had great awareness about his seasons. He knew when he was supposed to go in the wilderness. He knew when he was supposed to be secret. He knew when he was supposed to be public. He knew when he was supposed to dodge questions and when he was supposed to answer questions. He knew the seasons and the intentions and the moments that he, were, he was in. And that's what I'm inviting us to consider. And so uh, pray for us too. We are taking a time to set intention and focus and thought and prayer around our next year. And we already have been praying into that. And we just, we're just praying to continue to be on the path that he has had us on. And so I wanted to close in prayer. Um, sorry for all the interruptions this morning. That's part of the Zoom world. And um, let, let's just pray. God, I pray that you would make us those who abide in you. Make us those who, uh, who uh, are engrafted in the vine. That we aren't trying to be something we're not. That we're not trying to force your hand. That we're not trying to make something happen that is not what's intended to happen. God, but that we would have an alignment with the spirit of God inside of us to be flowing within the intent and the design and the partnership and the co-laboring that you have for us. God, that yes, we would grasp the weight of the eternal call that you have on us, but that we would also grasp the moments, the seasons and the times that you have for us now that we would come into releasing anxiety. So many times goals and plans increase anxiety, but that we would actually release anxiety by using intention to simplify our life, not to complicate our life. God. So Lord, I just pray that you would give a grace. There would be an impartation and a grace in this, in this season, in this time for people to sit down and pray with their spouses, with their kids, with their uh, just alone, God, to sit with you and to ask the questions of what is it that what is the season that you have me in? How is it that you're wanting to work with me where I'm here now, right? Not like where I've got to get to, but where I'm at now. God, how are we to abide in you here and now? What is the intent, the season, design, the approach that you have for us in this moment? Help us to abide in you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe the breath of life, focus, that we would have hearing ears and seeing eyes to know what it is that you have for us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So here's my uh, exhortation or my encouragement to you today is instead of us taking communion together, I'm going to have us close with prayer. And I would like every person who's hearing this to, to uh, take five or 10 minutes to have communion with the Lord and ask him to speak to you about this area. And 
what I'm thinking is that um, maybe God, maybe you sit down and the Lord um, just starts a conversation with you. Maybe you sit down and the Lord, you know, encourages you to plan out to dedicate a day over the next month or a weekend over the next month to uh, pray and ask him uh, what, what kind of things he's speaking to you for your life right now for 2021. I really am hoping, and maybe I'll do a follow-up to this even next week some, I really am hoping to see people setting intention with their life. And so I just, let's, Let's make it a point to start that today by taking a devoted time with the Eucharist, with, with, with the bread and the wine to sit with the Lord and see what he might have to say.